0: Hey everybody, welcome to this first ever episode of this podcast edition of Castic to the King, part of a Kick It to the King Productions, which is the YouTube channel production freelance that I run. My name is Joshua Mickle and this is something I am hoping to do once every few weeks. We'll see how this goes and we're gonna and as you can tell from the graphic, this podcast Going forward and for future episodes with me or with me and future guests is going to tackle a few. It's going to tackle three simple things, sports, movies and life sports, where it be this local teams with the Memphis Grizzlies or the Tennessee Titans up in Nashville or any other plethora of high topic main mainline sports episodes and whatnot and movies. Given my two cents on what's going on in the world of movies entertainment related or or in this case today i'm going to give my movie review for the apple tv movie spirited by from will ferrell and ryan reynolds watched that last night and that was actually i did not expect my i did not expect myself to be laughing as much as i did last night and i apologize to my wife if i woke her up because i was able to watch it on apple tv now i wish i would have seen it in theaters it is in theaters This movie, I would recommend seeing it in theaters before you watch it on Apple TV. But whatever your preference is, okay? And then the third thing we're going to tackle today is life. Just what's going on in life. Where am I now? And going forward, what? and for the next few days, what do I hope to accomplish? (coughs) So to start off with sports right now. Last night's epic win versus the Philadelphia 76ers cannot emphasize enough. I can't tell you how many times the last few times, because the Memphis Grizzlies is a Western Conference team and they only get a crack at these Eastern Conference teams only twice a year. And then if they're fortunate to make it to the NBA Finals, that's that's the only time they get to beat these teams. And so for the last few years that I can recall, the 76ers have been like the nuisance at our rear ends, that we just can't shake off our tails beca- in terms of trying to get them off our rear ends and then finally beating their rear ends themselves. And so last night, Stephen Adams had a fantastic game. John Morant, what can you say about him? Like, the the basketball gods gifted us with such great talent and John Morant. And, in this, and that is despite the fact that we are still dealing with a plethora of Of injuries, and as I have my computer pulled up over here, uh, just left of me, let me just look up the stats on this game Memphis Grizzlies. Final score, yes, was 117 to 109. Memphis Grizzlies, Joel Embiid was back for sure. He's been back for a few games now for the 76ers after dealing with his injury. James Harden still remains sidelined, so maybe. Philadelphia fans can rub that in our, can rub that in our faces, say we were injured ourselves and we didn't, we weren't at full strength. To that I say, hey, you got to bring up, hey, it's Nets man up. Consider what happened last year with the Memphis Grizzlies with Ja Morant. Now we were like twenty, our like our win differential between wins and losses without him is unbelievable. Actually, with like twenty plus wins compared to this year, actually it's quite the opposite where we have more losses than wins without Ja Morant. So, yeah, this is despite the fact that Memphis Grizzlies still don't have Zaire Williams, and we still don't have Desmond Bain still out with injuries, but hopefully we're going to get them back soon. But, I mean, there's nothing more you can say about this Memphis Grizzlies team because they just continue to reassert themselves as serious title contenders, and right now they are in fourth place, I believe, still in the Western Conference, which means they are well safe from that infamous play-in scenario of being one of the teams that could be poached out of the playoffs by way of the ninth and 10th seeds going forward. So there's still a long season ahead, so we'll see what that's like going forward. And so to the Philadelphia 76ers fans, you're going to do great during the regular season. There's no question about that. It's just a matter of are you going to be able to get it done in the postseason and for the last few years that's not been that's not been the case because where it be with Ben Simmons being injured or mentally not there basketball wise or James Harden getting injured almost getting embarrassed last year against the Raptors quite quite frankly so yeah if you're if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan and watching this episode you got nothing to worry about because you're pretty much on the smooth sailing with Joel Embiid with him being back healthy, you got actually one of our own, D'Anthony Melton. Uh, he had quite the uh night last night, playing forty minutes, about seventeen points and five assists. So you poached us, you poached him from us, and we got and that trade, uh, Danny Green, who he ha- he has not played at all this year. He's not he has not been the crybaby that Andre Iguodala was when we traded for him. But it's just another one of those scenarios where we trade for a veteran sharpshooter or a veteran leader. And for some reason, our front office just doesn't want to play him. So I have some thoughts on that. Like, honestly, if you trade for somebody basketball-wise, put him on the court and have him subjugated to play out his contract. Don't pay him off. I mean, don't pay him, and he essentially doesn't do his job. I mean, that's that's just my honest opinion. And Andre Iguodala just had to cry his – Crocodile tears out of town. uh, Memphis back in 2019. So with that out of the way. Let's get quickly to tomorrow's game with the Tennessee Titans. It's going to be a nationwide airing on full display versus the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow on Fox Sports. So you'll be able to tune that anywhere in this country. From my understanding, it's the game of the week on Fox Sports. Uh, 10-1 Ten and one Philadelphia 76ers versus the seven and four Tennessee Titans coming off of a stingit loss versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And I cannot emphasize enough. The two teams that are near and dear to me, and you'll and you'll notice this in this podcast going forward for basketball is the Memphis Grizzlies and the one team that has I've been following like very, very closely ever since I was a child, is the Tennessee Titans. So, for Tennessee, coming off of that stench at loss against Cincinnati, we had the great win against Green Bay. Our offense seemed to be clicking on all cylinders. And then, next thing you know, we revert back to our old offensive selves where we can't get the – like. Our offense is string- stringently Derrick Henry when we need to be throwing the ball. And for those that say out there that we do not have the weapons to throw the football, we have a rookie wide receiver, we have an injured wide receiver, and then we have a bunch of fourth and fifth ranked, uh, fourth and fifth depth chart wide receivers. To that I say, if you watch the Bengals game, if you watch that Bengals game. What got us in the red zone? The passing game. And what do we do when we were in the red zone? We got away from the passing game. So that is a result not of players and personnel. That is a result of coaching personnel. And Todd Downing, our offensive coordinator. If you follow my social media on Twitter or anywhere on Facebook, but mostly Twitter, you'll be able to find me there public at Kick It To The King. By the way, I've been on there much more with Elon Musk actually taking over the joint, which is actually pretty funny. So that's a whole other story for another day. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know my rants and my frustration with his offensive coordinator and Todd Downing and how much I can't stand the man of how he goes about playing, like doing play calls. We have our third, our number three tight end getting more snaps than our number two tight end and... Whenever you see, here's, for those that are going to be watching this Titans game tomorrow, I challenge you to, whenever the Titans are on offense, when number, when the, when Cody Hollister, who wears number eight, he wears the jersey number eight, when he trots onto the field, mark how many times they actually throw the football on offense, because I can count on my hand how many times they actually throw the ball on offense all year, twice, all season long. All the rest of those times he's on the field, the defense knows that Derrick Henry's going to get the football and when they know you're going to run the football, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to either get stuffed, you're going to get like you're going to get stuffed at the line, behind the line, or you're just going to get a yard or two or a 3-yard gain. So, that's the that's the predictability. I can't stand with my football team, but hey, I hope we actually I hope he pull it off because this is actually the litmus test I actually said all year. If we can beat the Philadelphia uh, Eagles, funny enough, uh, Memphis beats Philadelphia. Maybe Tennessee will beat Philadelphia. And stay Tennessee on weekend of Philadelphias. How about that? Coincidence, probably. Either way, uh, I am pre- like I'm not gonna pray. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get my hopes up over over any of this because I can't stand my football team. It's it's hair pulling. It's gut wrenching to be able to watch this team underperform. This team should be putting up 24-plus points every week. We can't seem to get our heads, heads out of our re-rents with the offensive play calling and top-downing when we only can score 16, 17 points how many times all year, and then we only score like 24, 22 points, 21 points, like only – three or so times a year. And then our highest game was against, and our highest scoring game was 28 or 27 points against those Green Bay Packers in Wisconsin on Thursday night football, which was our best ever offensive performance. And that was actually, and still is our best game prior to that Packers game. We had not had a, what you would quote, what's your team's best overall game all year. Tennessee had not had that. We had our worst game and that was against the Buffalo bills on week two, 41 to seven loss. That was lost to us in the second half, and that just got out of hand when it was like ten seven, I believe the score was at halftime, and then just got away from us. So that was the perfect storm for Buffalo to to stomp all over us. So we had our worst game. We had never had our best game of the year, and so and then going to that Green Bay game, and then go, and then executing that Green Bay game plan. That was our best game of the year, and so what I can't stand about. Todd Downey as an offensive play caller for Tennessee. This is this first of all, this is his second year. This is not his first year. This is his second year. So last year when we had AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and more talented receivers and like offensive personnel, he couldn't do squat. And that's despite the fact that Derrick Henry was injured for the majority of the year, and we were still able to squeak out a number one seed, and that was the result of not not necessarily Tennessee doing good. It was a result of the rest of the AFC just collapsing in on itself because last year was the perfect storm for Tennessee. You get the number one seed with at five losses, which had never been done in over 15 years in the NFL, in either conference actually. It had never been done in 15 plus years of getting a number one seed at five losses. Usually it's about three or uh, two losses or at most four that you would get a number one seed. With, the, with those many losses. So that was a perfect storm for last year for Tennessee, and then we could just couldn't execute in playoffs because our offense was just too predictable for our, the Bengals to pick off Tannehill three times. Some of those throws were on him, and some of them was predictable play calling because that second INT, Hilton, who once again had a monstrous game against uh, uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans this past Sunday, he read that screen, that same white receiver screen pass that they had run two drives earlier and picked off Tannehill in the red zone on that second interception in the playoffs last year. So back to this game with the Philadelphia, uh, <laughs> uh, back to this game with the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow. I expect the Eagles to stomp us. I expect them to stomp us like offensively. Like I expect the Eagles to put up 24, 28 points. All season long, though, the stats do not uh, back me on that statement of opinion because outside of the Buffalo Bills game, our defense has not given up more than 20 points a game, which is quite remarkable because if you you give any high-powered offense the standard of your defense is going to only give up 20 points for the entire game, any high-powered offense, the Detroit Lions right now would take that would take that offer and run with it. Because the amount of time they scored thirty points this year and still lost. Imagine if the Detroit Lions had the Tennessee Titans defense, only giving up twenty points. They would be neck and neck probably with the Vikings right now for that uh for that division and maybe the number two spot in the NFC right now. So that's a whole bunch of what ifs right now. But I wouldn't be shocked either if we hold Philadelphia to 20 points because our defense is bend, don't break. They bend and bend, and we really don't break in terms of giving up points or else we'd be giving up. Based on our uh, passing defense, we're like, uh, we're not even top 20 in terms of pass defense, but we're top 10 in points given up. So, hey, you can give up all those yardage, but if you're going to score points, then that's going to be an issue. But the, the benefit for the Titans is that our defense has not been giving up those points, and so it's redundant on the offense to get the freaking job done. And they need to score more than twenty or seventeen points in order to beat their opponents this year, because this offense is running like it's at the two thousand eight. Yes, we won the. Yes, we were the number one seed at the time, but that was before high powered offenses were a thing. It was coming off of the two thousand seven Patriots, where their offense was historic. Yes, they lost to the Giants and through ball, but their offense was historic that year. And so it was coming up. 2008 was not a year for high powered offenses. And our games that year, we were scoring 20, 17, 7, 17, 17, 20, 24, the occasional 30 burgers here and there against Jacksonville and then Pittsburgh that clinched num- the number one seed for us. By the way, 13 goes 3 goes to my stat line right there. Three losses. You're the number one seed. So, yeah, there's that. So, our offense looks like it's back in the early, early, late 2000s with Jeff Fisher still at the head coach. That's how anemic our play calling is with the Tennessee Titans right now. And that just frustrates me because we're in the year 2022. We have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, even Jared Goff, of all people, f- flinging it all over the place and getting points, which we can't do that. Or refuse to do that because we have a high-powered running back in our backfield. And he can, we pray, we pray that he'll just break one. That's the offensive game plan every single week. And that is not how you're supposed to win football games every single week. And if you're hearing that in the background, they are doing a tornado alarm test in my neighborhood. So I apologize for that. No, it is not. No, mother, there's not a storm going on in front of me, and I'm not ignoring it if you're listening to this episode. So, either way, I expect our offense to... Man, this game could go a whole slew of ways uh, versus the Titans uh, with the Eagles. I can see a scenario where we won 2017 or we won 17-14 for all I know. But... One thing that is for sure, that ever since that Bills game, uh, on ever since week two, ever since week two against the Bills, any team that has played us, including the Chiefs, that folks saw on Sunday Night Football, with a backup quarterback in Malik Wills, which, is still, which he's still raw, by the way, so he shouldn't be playing this year. I've been saying all year he shouldn't be playing this year. Not until next year, at least. By the way, Hugh Freeze. Uh his contract got bought out by uh Auburn. So those that said his high powered offense wouldn't work in the NFL. Well, Auburn seems to think differently. So he's now their head coach, uh getting uh poaching him from Liberty. So where was I? That's my A D D for you. I just get off on a I just get off on random tangents right there. So yeah. Oh yeah. Ever since week two against the Buffalo Bills, Whoever has played us, including the Kansas City Chiefs, has to play down and stoop to our levels thanks to our defensive play because no matter how high powered or how much points the Chiefs score or or even the Bengals, even though we lost them, even the Bengals and Chiefs and those other teams, and we'll find out tomorrow if it's the same against the Philadelphia Eagles, is that when you play the Tennessee Titans, you have to play our dirty, roughneck football style. You cannot be flinging it pass-happy and score touchdowns. Now that could change this Sunday. So anything can happen. But based on the stat lines and also based on your like the visual your visual eyes watching this football team this year, our defense is tenacious. It is the it's I will argue it was probably better than the two thousand eight Titans defense that when we had Albert Hainsworth, Kyle Vandenbach, Keith Bullock, Javon Kurst back, uh, Nick Harper in the secondary, Michael Griffin. Man, I can give you a whole starting lineup. That was was probably one of my favorite years. That was my freshman year in high school. I would argue this team has more depth on defense than that squad. As per the case, the last few weeks with uh, Jeffrey Simmons, our defensive defensive pass rusher tackle, being out with injury, and he's been able to – and we've been able to see with this Titans team that depth in that defensive line – and also in the pass rush with the linebackers since uh, (coughs) since Harold Landry went down with an injury with the ACL before the season starts, so he's not even playing at all this year so, seeing this depth on this defense is pretty it's pretty incredible it's pretty incredible to watch and now we are going at, wow, 20 minutes wow this might be a good 30 minute episode let's see how long this lasts for your first episode so Final score. I pr- I would say. Betty money says the Eagles, they're at home. Tennessee's on the road. Betting money says the Eagles. I would imagine. I would th- I would think. The final score. Hmm. I think the Eagles are going to break that twenty point uh, threshold against this team. I think they're going to score twenty four points, and this uh, Titans offense is going to score seventeen. Until they until until this offense for Tennessee does something different, they're gonna only score sixteen or seventeen points by way of a touchdown and a few field goals or two touchdowns and a field goal. So until they start changing it up with Todd Downey and this offense, get get Chig Oconquo involved. Get tra Traylon has been he's he's arrived. He's trailing Burts wide receiver from Arkansas that we drafted this year. The A.J. Brown replacement, actually. Intended to be the A.J. Brown replacement. He has shown up these last two weeks against the Packers and the Bengals. So I expect him to have a monster of a game. Where that results in him kick- catching touchdowns is a whole other thing, because our red zone passing game seems to be innately absent on purpose this year. So just something we have to... It's that's not that Titan fans we have to live with for the remainder of the year until the offseason, until hopefully Mike Vrabel will swallow his pride and have his tail between his legs and fire his buddy, who's the offensive coordinator, Todd Downey, and say, hey, we appreciate what you've done these last two years, but we got to let you go. And we and we got Tim Kelly, who's the passing coordinator in name only, in my opinion, because this passing because this offensive play calling is still the same as last year. I would expect at the end of this year, uh, Todd Downing will be given his walking papers. And Tim Kelly, who we have in the in the wings, will be brought up as the OC. He has experience with Deshaun Watson in Houston at the time when he had no weapons. Which is, why, which is what so many fans have been wanting this year for Tennessee to do. To fire Todd Downing and then let Tim Kelly... Work his magic with our no weapons offense for the, our passing game, but we'll see what happens. But I'm not holding my breath for Vrabel to fire him anytime soon. That's probably gonna happen at the end of the season. Whether he does or not, it's gonna be a whole another question because if he doesn't, he's gonna. There's a chance that Mike Vrabel gets booted out as well because Amy Adams, our owner, has shown in the past when we even when we made the playoffs with Marcus Mariota with Mike Mullarkey and Terry Rubisky is our head coach and offensive coordinator, we won against the Alex Smith Chiefs at the time. Which maybe again in hindsight. Excuse me. Which maybe in hindsight, if we don't beat the Chiefs, is Alex Smith still with the Chiefs and is the Patrick Mahomes era delayed by like a year or two. So yeah, uh Think about that, will you? So, not all wins are great because that, because that win against the Chiefs unleashed what we know as the Patrick Mahomes era right now. Because after that loss, Alex Smith got traded away to Washington and then insert Patrick Mahomes. And here he is today as a baller of a quarterback that we haven't seen in a long, long time. If ever. <sighs> yeah. But, yeah, even after that playoff uh, win versus the Chiefs and we lost to the Patriots in the second round, we still fired Mike Malarkey because he wouldn't part ways with his offensive coordinator, Terry Rubisky. So, I'd expect – I mean, I don't I don't want to say I'd expect because maybe Vrabel's growing, uh, been the good graces of Amy Adams in the background. <coughs> so, common sense says he'll fire Todd Downey at the end of the year. So, that's that. All right. Last, all right, no, not last. We got two more topics: movies and life. Oh boy, man, sports it was about twenty five minutes. Wow, like almost twenty five minutes. We're getting close to it, if we're not there already. Uh, movies. Last night was something I wasn't expecting to enjoy, or. <laughs> Quite frankly, actually, it's the new Apple TV Plus movie Spirited by Ryan Reynolds and uh, Will Ferrell or Will Ferrell and uh, star Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. That movie, I cannot tell you that it starts off. So going in, I thought it was a Christmas Carol musical. Based on the the behind-the-scenes photo I've seen, I thought it was going to be a Christmas Carol musical, but it turns out it's actually uh, it's like this world. Like, if you don't want to hear the if you don't want to hear the movie, uh, mute it for like the next three minutes or so. So, all right, gonna talk in depth with this movie and with spoilers and stuff. And three, two, one mute so this movie takes place in modern day essentially this movie takes place in modern day and all those spirits that you know go to Chris's past present and future apparently they have their own uh, like they ha- they have their own workshop like social worker worker of place area and at the beginning of the movie quite shows it of uh, you see the Grim Reaper, pointing at this random lady at her uh, grave. And at, fr- at first you're per- like, I'm perplexed. of like, wait, this is, <laughs> this is the, this is usually towards the end of a Christmas Carol story where he's, where you see Scrooge like going down his grave and whatnot, but some random lady. And so apparently these spirits haunt a whole bunch of people and they, and they just go about and find like the most, like hard, like cold-hearted people in the world, and they just go about like turning their fates and whatnot. <coughs> and then Ryan Reynolds is apparently an un, a unredeemable with uh, the character he play, with the character he plays. Maybe this isn't so spoilery. I'm just giving a synopsis of the story. But yeah, who do you find out who Will Ferrell is? He actually plays the Ghost of Christmas Present, but when you Go more in depth uh, between Ryan Reynolds and uh, Will Ferrell's character it is very very funny like I can't tell you how many times in the jokes in this (laughs) and the jokes in this movie is so like like when they uh, when they when they begin to haunt uh, the Ryan Reynolds character in this movie who is the unredeemable of like like there's like a case file that the spirits give Will Ferrell it's like, he's an unredeemable. <laughs> and so when they actually get to a Ryan Reynolds character, like the joke that popped out to me the most what there are two jokes that popped out to me, and they're non-spoil and they're non-spoilery in any sense. Uh, the two jokes that popped out to me was when Ryan Reynolds was being haunted by like uh uh who's that? I I can't I can't think of the ghost's name with the chains that warns the individual. Three spirits will come and haunt you tonight. Feel my ch- like see my chains and whatnot. Whoever that ghost is, uh, comes to haunt Ryan Reynolds and, and he pauses him in between uh, lectures. Like, wait, so the Christmas Carol story is real, right? So you're so you're the so you're so and so, right? <laughs> And then in the second interruption, it's like, wait, of all the people you can haunt, there are murderers, there are, there are murderers, there are rapists, there are folks that do gender reveal parties. That line right there just made me like laugh out loud. Like there ain't no tomorrow. Oh my goodness gracious, yes, haunt those people that do gender reveal parties. Which is, if you're one, if you're one of those people, why? What's the point of it? Like gender reveal parties, like just <laughs> ah, the joke in and of itself is a uh, I i mean i I just thought it was you know, I thought it was a laugh out loud moment <laughs> for me, and then the second joke was uh, when will Ferrell's character is interacting actually uh I mean with no uh context actually. Like, he's able to, like, there's a point in the movie where he's able to interact with the real world with Ryan Reynolds, and then he's at this Christmas party, and then someone is dressed as his character from Elf, and then Will Ferrell's like, man, your costume looks stupid. <laughs> oh my, <God. sighs> Easter eggs, I tell you. I loved, I love, like, I love when movies like to reference themselves, and just like poke, like poke fun at each other. It's like, your costume looks stupid. Where are you supposed to be? <laughs> know what that guy in the elf costume uh, should have said. It's like, I'm dressed as you. You look just like him. <laughs> Different studio, so they probably couldn't do that for obvious reasons or else Apple would be sued by Warner Bros. Discovery right now. So, Honestly, there are some twists and turns in this movie that I did not expect because this movie was so hilarious. I, I, w- I will now actually put this down in my book like in my i will pin this book in my collection of movies that i will watch every year for christmas from now on at least once i'm not gonna watch it like every every other day or whatnot like home alone and whatnot but Spirit it on apple tv plus if you're able to watch it through apple tv or see it in movie theaters today uh this weekend or rent on uh rent or wherever you can rent it from from rep if you can find a red box these days or Amazon, or any renting uh, capability or buying it, I would highly recommend it, because this was a... You will not regret it. You will not regret watching this movie. And for those that were concerned, per se, with the trailers and whatnot in some of the... What was maybe portrayed as like dark humor that Ryan Reynolds is most infamous for with Deadpool and whatnot, this is a PG-13 movie. And they do the cutaways with the cuss words like they do in some Marvel movies. So, like when someone's about to say "holy sh!" and then you'll hear like a, uh, you hear like a doorbell or an elevator door come up. So, like Marvel was, Marvel's most infamous for this. And if you remember in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, uh, when the Collector, one of his servants, is trying to take hold of that uh, purple Infinity Stone. And then the whole place is destroyed and whatnot. Peter Quill, Chris Pratt's character, says he's about to say the F word and then he's like, What then then you hear like a little electric pop in the background and you see it and that just stopped him from saying the F word. So so Marvel's most infamous for doing stuff like that and Spirited does that as well in some areas in the movie. So I won't, so this is a movie for kids to watch. But hey, if you don't want your kids to watch it, that's I mean hey you do you, so you know how to raise your you know how you raise your kids better than I do. So, so that's my rundown with movies and whatnot. One more thing I will touch up on for this podcast episode is what's going on at Disney right now. They recently fired their CEO uh, Bob Chapek and reinsert the previous CEO that took over for that he took over for. Uh, Bob Iger, who's now back at the helm at Disney. So, Bob Iger, just to get a quick rundown, in case you don't know. Bob Iger has, uh, was the CEO, became the CEO, and the head of the board of uh, chairs. Uh, uh, like, head of the board for the shareholders and whatnot Disney. He was the CEO and the head of the board back in 2005. So, he was the head honcho. Like, everything he said, it was done. Like, he could say, buy me twenty things of like buy me twenty outrageously expensive stuff in it and it'll be bought like it was like like anything he asked for it'll serve to him on a silver platter most of the time and so back in two thousand five, quick rundown for you he purchased uh didn't he uh did the final purchase of Pixar at the time, and then they did away with some of their uh other movie studios that used to be a part of them like uh Miramax was another movie studio that he said <coughs> it's not feasible for us to have anymore and then infamously the two big purchases in the early in the late 2000s and the early 2000s was in 2009 he per- uh Disney purchased Marvel for four billion dollars and quite frankly if someone could look in the hourglass and, and see Marvel Studios being sold for 4 billion dollars how quickly is Sony or Universal or Paramount saying uh you want 5 billion if if they could look in an hourglass today and see how much these movies have been making because all 20 plus of these movies have made over an average of a billion dollars like these films have now are now averaging a billion dollars uh come the end of a Far from home with that stat before the pandemic happened uh, with the shutdowns in the movie theaters and whatnot. So he purchases Marvel and then he purchases Lucasfilm, which involves Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and now Willow, that's uh, now been remade and popped on Disney Plus as a TV series. And then back in 2000, yeah, December of 2017, he bought 20th Century Fox, now redoed 20th Century Studios, which includes a whole plethora of library of content from the Alien franchise, the Die Hard franchise. But most fans just want to talk about the X-Men properties and the Fantastic Four properties that were wrapped up. But, oh, excuse me. Back up there with the studio when they were just a small fraction of the purchase compared to the overall purchase and Disney bought that for 72 <coughs> 72 billion dollars after they had a bidding war. Against Universal, actually Comcast, uh, NBC, Comcast, and so they, so they, and so they buy up 20th Century Fox, which then fuels speculation of with all this IP, what's Disney going to do with it? And so it was then revealed either back in 2018 or early 2019. I think I want to I say it was late 2018. Yeah, it was late 20. Uh, when was it? Uh, yeah it, was, yeah, it was late 2018, late 2018 that they announced that they're going to do a streaming service called Disney Plus, as we know it today, still. And then fast and then the rumblings that he wants to get out, like he wants to retire and have his pina colada and drive and like ride off into the sunset for the great successes he's left Disney in. And during his time there, it's it was never it was never contra- like there was hardly any controversial things there. And each studio had, from Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, you name it, uh, even 20th century Fox at the time. Like they all had their say of what their movies should be, what the movie should be and where they should be at. Like should it be a TV series on this outlet or on the streaming outlet or should it be in the, or should it be a theatrical release or a streaming movie release? And so fast forward to February, 2020, he handpicks this guy, Bob Chapek, who was infam- infamously known by the Disney park folks as being one, of the worst to actually, uh, be in charge of things. Because if you ask anyone on Disney forums about Bob Chapek, they loathe the man, they loathe him. And so that actually translated quite coincidentally with the movies and also as assistant as CEO because during his stint as CEO, he took away some of the power uh, from the studio heads and Pixar is the number one instance where they were just peed off with the man because they had theatrical movies that they want to release in theaters and Disney and the Disney executives that Bob Chapek uh, created under him with new leadership titles that weren't there before, uh, with Bob Iger. Essentially, vetoed the studio's power and said, "No, you're going to put Soul on Disney Plus for free." At a time when they just made uh, uh, premiere act like premiere access with like Mulan and whatnot. Like, if you want to watch it, you got to pay for it and whatnot. No, they did that for Pixar movies. They did it for free. They put their movies out for free, which I would be loath to if I was a Pixar executive. And then they did it for. Uh, Luca. Luca was the other one. And then they did it for uh what was that movie called? Red? Uh where she trans uh where she transforms into the panda. Uh Pixar Red Man, why am I why am I freezing on the name? It came out this year. It was a cute movie. I wouldn't watch it like uh, when I watch it again, maybe, maybe I watch it again. I don't know. And for some reason, my internet's not working. Why aren't you working? All right. Uh, I'm just going to assume that uh, movie's called, uh, here we go. Pixar red turning red. That's what it was. Uh, Turning Red was the other movie that came out this year actually. And the executives at Disney said that's gonna be a straight to Disney plus TV show and so while at the same time, that was the same year Light uh this was the same year that Lightyear came out in theaters. So when that movie ultimately bombed, you had like pretty much trained families that you don't need to go to the theaters anymore. So thus Pixar's now. I don't want to say they're hemorrhaging over money, but they're making less money than they would have if these movies were been out in theaters. And so, long story short, and this this is my ADD kicking in. So I said this would be short with Bob Iger, and it's not. So essentially, long story short, upper brass with studios didn't like Bob Shapack, and the studio was hemorrhaging money. The stocks went down, and streaming service like streaming revenue and movie profits went down. All in part because of the environment they had, uh, unwittingly like done themselves into with, uh, the upper management levels that they created that were not there before to like micro, like to microscope these other movie studios like Marvel and Pixar. And then, uh, some of these, and then what was getting out, uh, with this whole, uh, Florida bill politically, Backfire, backfired on Disney because when they open because the when you openly do woke politics and entertainment, it's not gonna it's not gonna go over well with the every with the average everyday uh, movie goer. Now for Lightyear, when the whole fuss was about we have a same sex lesbian kiss and whatnot, we 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 watch the movie in context. It's honestly nothing. It's nothing to fuss about and whatnot. It it honestly and it was actually because of them putting that scene. Uh, I didn't actually see it in the theaters. I actually saw when it came out on Disney Plus forty five days later, when it came out on Disney Plus. But yeah, the reason Lightyear failed was botched marketing. No one knew if this was a Toy Story sequel or if it's a Toy Story spinoff. Tim Allen wasn't the voice, which turned a whole bunch of people off already. And quite frankly, the movie could have done with uh, with Tim Allen voicing Buzz Lightyear again. Not to say Chris Evans did a horrible job. He actually did. He actually did really good. He actually did <laughs> his best Tim Allen, like impression of sorts in some parts of the movie. But the whole perception of like quote politics and uh, media content that the Disney creators behind the scenes that were leaked out to the public uh, were not so secret anymore. And now we see with strange worlds when it was just revealed that in this Jake Gyllenhaal movie, uh, one of the lead characters has has a uh, gay ro- as a boy to boy gay romance, so and vauntly just promoting that as such, and the movie is bombing, and it's going to lose Disney over a hundred million dollars. And so the NBA learned this lesson back, and hmm, they learned this lesson many times actually. The NBA learned this lesson in twenty fourteen. They learned this lesson back in twenty twenty. When you go woke politics and entertainment that folks are trying to get away from, you will go broke. Thus, with Bob Iger returning, he recently just said uh, in an open Q and A, like like this, he like he was he was literally asked like verbatim for que- like word for word, like, do you wish uh, flo- like the company would have got involved with uh, like more involved with the don't say gay bill in Florida? And he just plainly said no. (laughs) And basically, yeah, he said no to that, shut that down. And during his reign as CEO and what I expect him to do going forward, because his actions speak louder than words and his actions say he is a guy that himself is left-leaning with his politics. But in terms of a businessman and an entertainer, he veers down the middle and there's no, skewing towards one side or the other it's something that both people just both it's something that everybody can enjoy in terms of a product that they put out there for said viewer and so they said they're going to roll back on that they that they need to roll back on this culture war stuff that they're doing in-house with the company i applaud him for that but we'll see going forward because we're not going to really see change with uh these movies until re- until really about with some of these uh, Disney these core Disney movies we're not going to see changes to stuff like this until I'm going to say next fall because some of these movies are already in the pipeline ready to go and so there's nothing Bob Iger can do to stop those movies if there's any political messaging in them at all so we'll see and that's that (coughs) sorry for the cough by the way so it's been like this for the last week so <clears throat> not contagious at all. So, last topic of the day, and then we'll wrap this up, is uh, topic number three. Talking about life. Just life in general. So, we are recording this in the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee. We, I live in Oakland, Tennessee now. And I can just uh, hark on this for a moment. Is that I last lived here in Memphis, Tennessee, back in 2009 through 2013, and that was actually uh, the heyday when I was in high school. And then at the time, I was an uh, I was a student. I was a student, a youth student at uh, the Life Church here in Memphis, Tennessee, and being able to be back here. And in case you don't know or follow my feeds So essentially a job uh, so there's a job opening online at the Life Church. I had actually been coming off of a <coughs> I had actually been coming off a rejection side from uh I believe it's Faith Church in uh St Louis. I had just applied to the like applied to them for uh, one of their churches and they actually had a location in uh South Beach actually. Down there in that Spencer part of Florida. And. I had just gotten off a call with them. Or an email for them saying. Like the usual. When you apply for a job. And you don't get it. Saying. We appreciate the time you've had. Like we've had with you. But we're going to go forward with other people. And so. Uh, we appreciate your time. We're going to keep your name on the record. To which I'm. Like I, like, I was just. Dist- like. I was still. At the time. Employed. At Galley Episcopal Church being their head honcho for everything media uh right now uh there's a fella named diego who's uh, done his best to run with it uh to replace me there and try to train the best i could and he can and he continues to learn so i'm actually proud of him so shout out to galley church if any one of you down there is listening to this so I'm grateful for the opportunity they uh, they gave me uh to be their guy at galley church to build their media operations from ground zero And to use the building blocks to build up something great there. And then in February of 2022, this year, uh, coming off of that uh, rejection letter from uh, Faith Church, I just, I was like scouring the internet on my, like just randomly. And then I just said, you know what? Let me, and I type in thelifechurch.com. And I'm like, you know what? you know what, what <sighs> employment scroll down to employment video editor job opening. And I said, I got the galley job. I'm not going to like, it's not like I'm unemployed. Why not? Like just, <laughs> so I fill out my information and then I get, and then I, uh, and then I hear back from them in about uh, a few days later or a week later or whatnot. And so, uh, funny enough that faith church job was actually uh, recommended to me by uh, my mentor john farmer he's he he lives up there now in the, in the st louis area of missouri uh hell went up his uh i think it's uh don't kill me what's the name Lemon no. what's the church called uh, yeah pa- yeah pastor dan lord uh and a whole bunch of folks uh went up to St. Louis to start their own, uh, church in St. Louis. That was where they're from. They were down in, uh, all right. So here he is, uh, is this him? Uh, yeah, that's him. uh, uh that's a conference. I'm on, a, I'm on his Instagram feed right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, darn it. What's the name of your church, man? St. Louis. I'm going to give a shout out to you guys. Is it called the crossing? Our pastor. No, that's someone else. Yeah, wrong church. <laughs> uh, Grace Life. Grace Life Chapel. That's what it was. So. So, yeah, uh, that uh, faith church job uh, was actually a. Uh, Long conversation with uh, John Farmer, talking about something else entirely. Actually talking about that Chiefs-Bills game that he went to uh, in that in uh, January, where the Chiefs pulled off one incredible game against the Buffalo Bills. And so he knew someone from Faith Church, gave me his number, and contacted me through them. And then after the rejection from uh, Faith Church, led me to applying to Life Church, just out of, like, not out of misreach, but just out of, like, after, like, I've interviewed with ESPN a few times. Like, I've interviewed with ESPN. I've interviewed with uh, a whole bunch of media companies in this nation, like, in, in this country, uh, where it'd be too early in my video career, or up to this point uh, right now in my uh, media career, uh, to be turned down only a few times. <coughs> they said yes, and that was Old Dominion University, And WTKR News 3, uh, the CBS affiliate uh, news station in uh, the Hampton Roads area of uh, Virginia. And so, yeah, going through this process with the Life Church and whatnot, uh, this was a, I would never guess this would be a like five or six month process with this church. So I applied like somewhere in February this year, and then. Towards the last two days of February, I speak with uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Lynch over the phone, and then I quickly get an email on my drive back home from the uh, from the beachfront, going back home to Smithfield, saying, "Hey, you want to talk? Hey, are you available tomorrow for a video call with uh, Angie, who's now my boss, <laughs> Angie Farrow, uh, Will Turner, Brian Petrie? I forget who the other fellow was." I can't think right now. I don't think it was Marcus, was it? No, I don't think it was Marcus. Maybe it was. I don't know. So, yeah, are you available for a video call? And I said, sure. And I think that video yeah, that video call, I thought, went well. Fast forward, March, April, two months of almost dead silence. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, man, the wait that was really tested my, I am not a man of patience, I am not a man of patience, uh, man, I can't tell you how many times I would just, like, like, (laughs) be the proverbial cat scratching a scratch post of, like, when are they gonna call, when are they gonna email, or am I, are they still interested in me, what's going on, man, so, then fast forward to, uh, we've had, like, up in, like, back and forth conversation, check-ins from Steven here and there. Been great throughout this process with Steven. So, and I love saying hi to him now uh, when the chance I get at church. So love saying hi to him. If you're watching this episode, Steven, I love you, man. I just love you. So for, and then it was in May that he reached out saying, hey, this is not us saying we're going to hire you, but we want to fly you out to uh next month in June for the Axis uh youth conference. It was just called Axis it's just called Axis Conference now. Um uh, and I said like I was like overlived with joy. Like I know I like I knew that wasn't me officially getting the job but in the back of my head thinking this logically If someone, like, if an employer flies you out somewhere and they ask you to do particular things or you're in an interview, or in this case, this was what I thought and turned out to be true when I got the job offer in July, it was a trial run with me. So they asked me to do stuff. I did the stuff. And then next thing you know, I'm here uh, in Memphis with my wife, Megan Mickle, and we were able to buy a house in less than a month, which... (laughs) For most folks, that'd be a miracle. I'm still so I'm still I'm still shocked of how the bank approved us because the last time we tried buying a house in uh, Virginia, we got rejected. So I'm cari- so that was that was God doing His inner workings of us being able to buy a house here and get pre-approval from the bank and then the final approval uh, on the loans and whatnot. So now we're in Memphis. Now we're in the greater part of Memphis, T- Memphis, Tennessee. Now. And the store in the circles come, like the pendulums come full circle back around, and just life in general. Funny enough, this segment's called Life, and I work for the Life Church. So, what this church? I cannot emphasize the folks there, the leaders, the friends, the pastors. Some new, some old. Uh, some gone, some still, some still here. I can't emphasize enough of how much, uh, these folks have really changed my life spiritually and also, uh, mentally as a Christian believer, like understanding what it means to be a Christian and be a leader, uh, a world changer and being God's number one. That's the, that's the phrase they, uh, they still do with axes every single night, holding their number ones in the air saying, I'm a leader, I'm a changer, I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a world changer. I'm God's number one. Like they say that every single night. So, and Axis is just quite the environment. To, I mean, it still is the environment that most, like, I would say, I want to say it's a standard, but I cannot emphasize enough the importance that has had in my life with Axis. Uh, being able to grow up with. Parker, uh, Corey, Hunter, Nick, uh, Nick Gardner, a whole bunch of other folks, including those like Nicole Lawless, and then eventually, uh, down the line with, uh, Anna, Mark, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, like I can just go down the names right now. So, but I'm not, I'm not going to divulge too much of that time into that. But, uh, but being able to, I mean, to be able to be back here and working and being in a working capacity, to now I've now like I'm now coming off of two fall retreats with the middle and high schoolers, where I am not a participant. I am actually uh, the f- I am actually the reason that, like, I'm not the reason. No, that's not the right wording. I'm coming off of two fall retreats just now this year in October with the middle schoolers, and just recent few weeks ago with the high schoolers. <coughs> where normally in the past I am a participant as an access student but being one of many on the staff to be able to put up the like put up the equipment and do the behind the scenes stuff to set the stage for said next generation to be able to experience what I experienced as a youth student is very like it's very surreal it's very surreal and and it's it's one of those moments where you do feel old. <laughs> you do feel old because the, the students, your friends that you jumped down that front row with are now the ones preaching towards these, uh, towards these high schoolers and middle schoolers, which is pretty surreal. It's like, even though, uh, pastor BJ left, uh, even though pastor Dan left and a whole bunch of others left to do, uh, bigger and better things and start other churches elsewhere in this country. We have the students that I grew up with, essentially, like take, o- like, <laughs> like fill in their spot, like step into their shoes, and they and they carry the torch that they that uh, that they were following before. Now they carry this torch for these students that these students will follow, and then we'll see what happens in twenty, thirty years from now uh, of who will be these next crop of students that will pick up the torch going forward. Uh, for the church and that's and it's a church that reach it's a church that reaches out to the younger generation but it's also but it doesn't but it doesn't neglect the other generations uh from old to middle age to folks like me i'm almost 30 years old i'll be 30 years old next year in 2023 man 30 years old <laughs> So, yeah, I can't emphasize enough how like how much this uh, like these folks here mean so much to me and I can't wait for. And my wife has been serving now with the coffee team, the cafe team. It's pretty cool to see that. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty cool to see that rundown. I've uh, seen how she's now connecting with the folks over there now after we took Discovery. It's my second time I took Discovery, but it's her first time. But I wanted to do it with her. So I can get the dust off of me. Because last time I took discovery. It was like 2009. So. So yeah. Uh, just life in general. Uh, what am I, like? Something I want to look forward to this week. That I just want to continue to do. Is continue to be a better husband. Uh, continue to be a better uh coworker. And continue to be a better leader. And a better. Uh, uh, role. Exa- uh, be a better example for others. Uh, going forward. Uh, let my actions speak louder than my words. And. Right now we're decorating the house. For uh, Christmas. And I continue to pray. And hope every night. And hope every day. That, uh, that each day. We're not. Like I'm not pulling my hair out. With my wife who she is a perfectionist at at sometimes but i still love her and i still need to remember that and i still love her to this day and she's everything to me and also uh being in and being there for my uh co-workers and even though i continue to do a good job it seems like of how quickly i'm able to catch up on some things and being able to uh being able to quickly adapt and and like apply what I'm being taught because this is almost second nature to me the stuff I'm taught at church now because I've, I've done it either at my last job at Galley in Virginia Beach or I've done it somewhere in the past with ODU or WTKR News 3 with a video editing or video shooting and so same tactics but different mechanisms of how to of how to get these tactics done with the media team and we have Christine Kane Tomorrow, uh, coming into town, uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be really cool to have her in town, and hopefully tomorrow goes off without a hitch with the production team, and that everything goes off well for all the campuses at uh, Life Church, that we were able to put together a great production, a great product, and for those to soak in the good word that Christine Kane is gonna deliver tomorrow. And then after that, it's setting up for Sounds of Christmas. So this is going to be the first one, I believe. I may be wrong. I think this is the Life Church's first one since 2019 before the uh, shutdowns happened from COVID. So this will be the first one, I believe, in a few years for them. So the setup for that is going to be intense, as always, based on... Uh, The setup, I uh, I was able to help out with Zoe, with the Zoe conference, and then also seeing the the behind-the-scenes setup with uh, Axis back in June. This media team is like, this media team, production team, creative team, wherever you want to call it, it's still one big body of what we do at the church. And the work that these folks are able to put into it, and the end result that we see is pretty I like I'm still like I'm never it never ceases to amaze me of how much these guys put in and the end result is incredible as always the end results always incredible so going forward uh hopefully that those goes off those go off without a hitch and yeah, just, uh, just life encouraging, so, just life encouraging of, uh, uh, of what I want, uh, going forward, and that, uh, yeah, like, I'm always, like, (sighs) man, with, uh, yeah, I can't say enough of how much this means to being back here, and also being all, and also being able to, uh, like, share this, mo- like, I had this talk with Johnny Hill, Pastor Johnny, the other day, a few weeks ago, I think, talking about, uh, being able to connect, uh, more with, like, reconnecting with this church, 10 years removed, and whatnot, and he said that, like, there's a, there's a portion he said to me saying that, essentially, that, uh, even though I know some folks here, and whatnot, with me and my wife now here, in our new season, our life, we're essentially like a new person, and we gotta sow new seeds and whatnot. In that, the folks that I do know here, it's just icing on the cake, and going forward, like being able to plant like our seeds in this soil that is the Life Church, and be able to flourish and grow in it. So, going, yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, y'all, and and I hope whoever's still around, I applaud you. And hopefully, going forward, we can do a few more of these. And so, uh, I remember doing a, a quasi podcaster show or something with a Parker at the time. It was just one episode, but I just let the, uh, I let the, uh, motivation to do others because I mean, at the time it was just like, what's there to talk about? (laughs) So now, uh, i think with this setup i think there's something for us to always have something to talk about and it's not gonna be every day to where we're draining something out of something to do so i think going forward either every week or every other week we'll be able to do this podcast so and hopefully it gets the views that it gets but we'll see about that so this is joshua mickle Signing off on this first ever episode of cast it to the king. Goodbye.